Welcome to season five of 76 West, recorded appropriately in an office at the corner of West 76th Street and Amsterdam Avenue in New York City. In past years, you've heard conversations with some of the great thinkers of our time. This season, you're going to hear the voice of one of them, Rabbi Joy Levitt. Sometimes she'll be by herself, sometimes accompanied by the amazing people who helped make the program she shepherded a reality. Joy works, worked, best in collaboration with others, people who pushed her, prodded, who inspired her as much as she inspired them. That's going to be, is, her legacy to the Marlene Meyerson JCC Manhattan, a spirit of positivity, of moving onward and upward, taking a simple idea, a Jewish community center, and elevating it beyond what anyone would use as their definition. As Rabbi Joy Levitt looked at the Upper West Side one Saturday afternoon, she saw a familiar sight, people going about their lives, trying to fill their time by spending money. Not everyone was Shabbat observant, but for those who were, or who wanted to be, the JCC devised R&R, a weekly opportunity to be together as a family and a community, an incredible, inclusive alternative to the typical New York Saturday. For Friday evening, there was Shabbat Shebang, an event designed to welcome the community into our building for a meal, new friends, and fascinating programs. Leading the charge alongside Rabbi Joy Levitt was board member Alice Gottesman, who drew on her own fond childhood memories in supporting both programs. In this conversation, you'll hear Joy and Alice discuss the founding of two programs that came to embody the Jewish values of the Marlene Meyerson JCC Manhattan. When we opened the building, the policy here was that we were not going to be open on Shabbat morning in deference to the synagogues. And that policy predated me. I don't know that anybody thought that people were going to wake up in the morning and say, should I work out or go to shul? Oh, the JCC is closed. I guess I'll go to shul. Like, I don't think that was happening. But I think Debbie, in her wisdom, was trying to create peace in the community and, and you know, make a clear distinction between what the JCC was doing and and what synagogues were doing. We were not a synagogue. And so we were we were closed on Saturday morning and yet we had the Saturday morning partners program where, where we had a whole bunch of underserved kids using the facility which we were very proud of. But at a certain point it felt to me as I was walking around the Upper West Side on Shabbat afternoon that people were really like, it was like Tuesday on the Upper West Side, right? Like people were shopping, people were like screaming with their kids, going to restaurants, going to movies, you know, Tuesday or Sunday, you know, that we, and that the JCC on some level had a role to play in disrupting that pattern and suggesting to people that Shabbat could be a gift to you and that you didn't have to, engage in the commercial culture. You could actually be a non-Orthodox Jew who is not subject to those rules, but who enjoys the idea that one day a week you're not spending money. You're one day a week hanging out with your family. One day a week you don't have plans. You can just come here and see what it is you want to do. And so I, I that's how what what you may recall, Radical Rest was born. That was our first name for this program. And what I remember, and you may remember differently, 
you had a very strong feeling that we needed to make the JCC affordable to people that could not necessarily pay for programs during the week. And that the idea that Shabbat was a gift to the community was something that you wanted to support. Here's Alice Gottesman. Well, I do remember that I did not want the JCC to be thought of as a place for just the people who could afford it, that it, that it was a really special place and that the gift would be that it's open to everybody in the community and it's free and anybody can at least experience what we have to offer on that day. And it was a way of trying to welcome the rest of the community here and to, I wouldn't say by goodwill, but I thought we were doing extraordinary programming and why not? And that was really the intention, that we would offer it as a gift to anybody who wanted to be here. When my kids were young, everything was so scheduled. You know, you had a play date with this person and you met this person. And that randomness that happened when we were growing up in terms of neighborhood fun wasn't really very New York. And having a place where all different ages could congregate together and sort of mesh and and admire, you know, an older kid or a younger kid for families and connect to them was actually radical. R&R's premise was Shabbat is free at the JCC. You don't have to register. In fact, you can't register. Um, you come in. There's a, a list of activities. The amazing Sarah Kay at the time and now Sarah Kay Lacks um, created it. And it was like running a, a mini, like, festival every Shabbat. And a thousand people would come. And um, some of them came for a program. We offered programs throughout the building, play spaces for children. It, it uh, pretty much soon became a place that was mostly family-dominated. Most of the programs were family. But there was always, like, an Israeli book club um, for Israelis who wanted to speak in Hebrew about an Israeli book. Um, so there were all, all kinds of programs. There were people that would come to Sarah at a certain point and say, I've got a program idea. Could we do this at the JCC? And the answer, of course, was always yes. And eventually it, it developed. Sarah started using themes there was stuff always exciting going on in the lobby. There might be clowns. There might be magicians. There might be just experiences as opposed to programs. It was all much looser. I would say at the height when we were having like a 1,000 people pre-COVID that came in on, on Shabbat, about 20% of the people who came in were wearing kippot. And... When I stopped to ask them, you know, why, I got two really, really interesting answers. First is, we live in a small apartment, there's nothing to do, you know, Shabbat is endless, and like in March or April, so, you know, this is great because, you know, we can come here, and we made it comfortable by having Shabbat elevators, having certain floors without technology so that Everybody, everybody could find their place, but nobody got to say, you can't do that, 
right? So no one got to say you can't use a microphone or you can't show a movie. You just don't go to that movie if you don't want to. But the second answer was even better, which was, and I heard this from a number of people, we live very bubbled lives. Our kids go to day school. We belong to Orthodox synagogues. We have Shabbat dinners with our friends. We never see anybody who's not like us. When we come to the JCC, our kids and we get to see people that are different than we are. And that provokes conversation. And our, I remember one mother saying to me that her five-year-old actually asked her why that guy wasn't wearing a yarmulke. Like he literally, except for the doorman in his building, had never seen that practically, right? And certainly not at something called the Jewish Community Center, right? Like if this is a Jewish place, why is not everybody wearing it? And I think that that goes back to the original purpose for this JCC, which, which was twofold. One, to reach the thousands and thousands of people that were not affiliated with the synagogue or didn't go to the one that they were affiliated with. And to break down some of those barriers that existed between Reform, Conservative, Reconstructionist, Orthodox synagogues where people were not really talking to each other. So I think R&R had an unintended consequence of, of throwing us all into the same you know, pot, as it were. Tell me, tell me about, about the origin of Shabbat Shabang. I think that one board meeting, you kind of mentioned something about Friday night dinners. And when I heard that, a light bulb went off. And I was like, this is another way, again, to engage a broader community at a especially low price tag. Because other um, Shabbat dinners and synagogues and things were more costly. But it was also having had such a meaningful experience my whole life with just having a family to go to, there was a feeling for all these unaffiliated families, uh, they could get together, they would learn a little bit about um, what it is to have Friday night dinner. We had excellent food, there was programming, but Joy did say something, and I don't know if anybody else picked up on it, but it just you know, touched my heart immediately. And I, I think I came to you and said, I'm really interested in this idea. I also had almost every Friday night people at my house for dinner. It became like very important in my life, either having people or going, going places. And I would say it, during the pandemic, um, my sister and my mother came to my house every Friday night and my kids at least twice a month. And and um, that was really different because it was because Shabbat in my I didn't grow up with this. And so it wasn't a thing for my family. It was only a thing because of the pandemic. It became a thing. And it was so it anchored my whole week to look for to know that I was going to go home. I wasn't going home. I was home. I was home. And I so I could make challah every week and I could make a real meal every week because I was working while I was cooking, you know, <laughs> which I can't do here. And it was it was really, really important. But um, but I was very mindful that there were a lot of people alone. And that was, I think, part of the issue was like, if you're single in this town, uh, you know, and 
you know, you're, and you don't have a family, you know, what happens Friday night? Do you feel comfortable signing up for a Shabbat dinner? You know, and, and so the fact that it wasn't a Shabbat dinner, it was a program, right? You, you were choosing to go to one room. Where, so that meant that you could be with people that shared your interest, and so it, it, the barriers to coming in were much lower. And I think that was yours and Sarah. That must have been you and Sarah came up with that. I, I, don't, I don't feel remember, like it was I mine. Don't remember, but I do remember. You know, it, there, we did one Shabbat Shabang where um, I can't remember what the theme of it was, but there was a room. We did a death over dinner. Um, which is like this program that Michael Hebb had created to help people talk about advanced care plans. It was part of what matter the What Matters program, and I remember having dinner with this in this group and people going around the table and um, talking about how they do their advanced care plan. And you would think this was like grim, but it wasn't at all. It was actually beautiful to hear how people were thinking about this. But there was this one woman who said, I, my parents are dead. My brother died unexpectedly. I'm not married. I have no children. I, I, I can write an advanced care plan, but who do I give it to? Like who, who, you know, it feels like a lot to ask. Anyway, that conversation provoked an entire investigation in the What Matters community about, about, about these folks, and there are lots of them. And we're now like really thinking about how to make sure that people who don't have anybody have a place where they can, you know, whether it's their doctor or their lawyer or somebody that knows what they want so that they can, we can, they can make sure to get it. And that all came out of a, a, of a Shabbat Shabang. I don't know how creative I am, but I, I choose well. <laughs> I find people who push me, challenge me, inspire me, make me think about things differently. And if I've done anything here on, in terms of the staff, it's, it's the poorest way in which we operate so that the ideas that come from the community get, get expressed. And there really is nobody that is higher up on that list than Alice Gottesman for me. You know, your generosity of your spirit is what really has, you know, yes, R&R, yes, Shabbat Shabang, yes, the Jewish Journey Project. You know, sometimes it was Alice saying yes to me. Sometimes she was saying no to me. You're not thinking about this right. It didn't, it didn't kind of matter. It, I just needed those voices in my head to make good things happen. I think what was radical about this, but certainly what we intended, was you could say to somebody, I'm going to r and I'll meet you. I'm going to the JCC, I'll meet you. You know, we can hang out. And the kids could play by themselves or we could drop them and we could just sit and we could go to the gym, we could do a yoga class, we could sit and meditate, we could just sit in the lobby and have, you know, coffee. And I think that kind of disruption to this overscheduled transactional commodified experience that most parents have in New York 
was really, it, we were trying to break it in a, in a way. And we were trying to break it using a very old idea, which is Shabbat. That's Rabbi Joy Levitt and Alice Gottesman. 76 West is a presentation of the Marlene Meyerson JCC Manhattan. The series was produced and edited by me, Eric Winnick. Our theme music was written and performed by Peril Wolf. If you enjoyed this podcast, please check out the other seasons of 76 West, available on iTunes, Google Play, and anywhere else podcasts are available. You can also listen to our episodes at mmjccm.org slash 76-West. Please subscribe and give us a rating on iTunes if you enjoy the show. Every little bit helps. Until next time, we'll see you around the neighborhood.